Hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of the Fox Nomad Podcast. This is a special Halloween episode, which I guess is going to become kind of a thing around here because I and the people help me with the podcast. Basically, we start researching this episode way early in the year. I mean, we already have enough for like two or three Halloween episodes. It's always fun to kind of take a break, get into some creepy stories because, you know, when you travel, you hear some weird stories, which brings up one of the the topics we're going to talk about today. And I, th- I just think it's a little bit of fun. Get off the beaten path and uh, talk about some creepy things, especially at this time of the year. So today we're going to talk a little bit about Mount Everest. Um, There are a couple of stories from there which are creepy uh, and some are not so creepy. Then we're going to talk a little bit about UFOs. We're going to talk a little bit about UFOs. Uh, We're going to get into that. It's kind of a favorite topic here on the Halloween episode and the second Halloween episode. Then we're going to talk about something that really is really very weird. I mean, like two reallys. Yeah, very, really (laughs) weird. That's happened on American Airlines a couple of times on different flights, and there's no explanation as of yet. I think it's just a fascinating and somewhat hilarious story, so we're going to get into all of that. But first, as we dive down into the creepy stories, let's let's start with Mount Everest. And, and this one, there's two stories that I want to share with you that are kind of interesting. And the first one is one that I've heard about. Now, I've tried to find... Uh, other accounts of this online. I've tried to find documentation about this, but this is more of a lore. So this is something that a lot of people who have traveled to base camp, base camp is kind of like the first point for the expedition up to Mount Everest. Now for a lot of people, Mount, uh, for a lot of people, base camp is really its own hike. You know, it takes several days to get up there. It is not easy. It is at elevation. So if you don't want to go all the way up to Mount Everest, then going up to base camp is kind of like a nice intermediate hike. It takes about, a you know, like I said, a couple days, about a week. You acclimate to the climate. You know, to get up there is not easy. It is, it sounds, you know, yeah, it's base camp and it sounds like, um, you know, it, it, it's, it sounds like maybe, oh, it's just base camp, just where the expeditions start, but it's not easy to even get up there. And there are a couple of interesting stories, and one is this this persistent story or rumor that a lot of people who have made this hike have heard of. That is the base camp serial killer. So the base camp serial killer is a story that a lot of people who who climb up there, and most people go in groups that are led by Sherpas, who are locals, who are very skilled climbers and a lot of them won't let you leave even just to you know like if you've got to take a pee around some bushes they they want to make sure that you're within sight or that you go with someone because there have been some mysterious disappearances there that they can't explain there have been bodies found that have been mutilated there are bodies that have been found missing that show up a couple days later in weird positions you know like the body has been splayed out in a very unusual position almost demonic and it is very strange and a lot of these disappearances and murders eventually get chalked up by the tourism board and by the police local police as 
death by exposure, death by, you know, some kind of injury, and then the, the people succumb to the elements. And then the body mutilations, you know, are explained by, okay, so animals, you know, they're bears and things like that. They're, they come across the body and then they, obviously they, they disturb the body. They, you know, they eat it, whatever. And so that explains the mutilations. But what's very strange about these is, like I said, this is where people just, you know, take a moment off the trail. They're going in groups, you know, 10, 20 people, and they might just disappear out of the group for no reason. Some Someone just reports them missing and then boom, they're gone. Now, this is a story that the Sherpas tell a lot of people. It is a pretty common story. If you've climbed up to base camp, you've probably heard of one of these stories. There's a little bit of a supernatural element as well. Some people believe that the people who go missing are being abducted by the spirits of Mount Everest or they are being taken by the infamous Yeti, which you might know as the abominable, ab uh, abominable snowman. Um, so there are a lot of rumors and it's all good reason to stay together with the group, right? So um, you definitely don't want to go off on your own but Sherpas have a lot of these stories where especially people who climb up to Everest have had stories where they've had to take refuge uh, during a storm and in those storms they've seen shadowy figures walking uh, on the mountain with their arms outreached they've heard cries for food from from strange noises in the void of Mount Everest some people have even camped or taken refuge in caves around Mount Everest and have seen what they claim are figures in those caves that have body warmth. You can feel the warmth coming out of the cave. All very interesting and mysterious stories that um, I think should help you, you know, get into the mood, right? Um, maybe a logical explanation, maybe not. This is a Halloween episode. That's, that's, that's how we do it here. So like I said, the serial killer, quote unquote, ever serial killer is a story that has gone on for the last 20 to 30 years. It still pops up. People still disappear. Bodies are still found. There were a group of four campers that were found. Their bodies all mutilated somewhere along the way up to base camp. Still no explanation has been given. They have no there is no explanation as to how these people died or how their bodies were mutilated. It was a, a bloody, bloody scene. Um, so again, leading to further stories about um, the the base camp serial killer. So there you go. That's our first first story, um, and 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 it's one that makes you wonder what is happening up there. Now, one thing that we do know, though. So I mentioned our old friend the yeti the abominable snowman now people have found this is a story that has been there for centuries uh sherpas people who live in the area seeing a large massive creature that stands upright that is white with hair long thick hair that has attacked people that has been mysterious that has been dangerous and so a lot of these stories what leads some credence to them is that they find tracks. They find these massive tracks 
in the area. They find these tracks that they can't identify. Well, and in the past, they've also found hair. Very interesting. Well, we live in an age of DNA tests. And so a pair of Oxford scientists have taken an expedition to find this hair and these footprints and to see what's going on. Let's do a DNA test. Well, wouldn't you know it? A couple years ago, they did just that. They went to um, pick up, you know, hair samples from these uh, these footprints that have been found around Mount Everest. And they've taken two hair samples. This was a couple of years ago in 2014. And they studied them to find out what is going on. And they found a 100% genetic match to a prehistoric polar bear-like creature that existed 40,000 years ago. Very interesting. Maybe a prehistoric polar bear-like creature that is not so extinct, right? These are very remote places. And it finds that, so it says the study uh, suggests there are bears roaming the mountain range that have not been seen since the Pleistocene period, which experts say may well be the biological foundation of the Yeti uh, legend. Sorry, Uh, Brian Sykes, a geneticist from Oxford University, said his, his research was enough proof to start planning an expedition to the Himalayas to capture a Yeti bear specimen alive. He told NBC News, that the team's study published in this week's issue or that week's issue of the Royal Society B should encourage Bigfoot Bigfoot (laughs) enthusiasts to go back out into the forest and get the real thing. So very, very interesting. Now let's fast forward this. Um, In the rest of this article, it also mentions that a golden brown sample taken from an animal shot by a hunter in the northern region of Ladka, India 40 years ago and a reddish-brown hair from a high-altitude bamboo forest in Bhutan both match the presumed long-lost bear. So these are remote regions, and we are finding animals that don't have a very wide, uh, you know, there aren't so many of them. So it turns out they might be out there. Well, let's fast forward to now. So this is a few years ago, much more recent. This is from science.org, and it says so much for the abominable snowman. Study finds that Yeti DNA belongs to bears. Sorry to disappoint you. Hikers in Tibet and Himalayas need not fear the monstrous Yeti, but they darn well be better carrying bear spray. DNA analysis of nine samples purported to be from the abominable snowman revealed that eight actually come from various species of bear native to the area. In the folklore of Nepal, the Yeti looms large. The creature is often described as an immense shaggy ape human that roams the Himalaya hinterlands, purported sightings over the years, as well as scattered remains secreted secreted, <laughs> secreted, uh, secreted away in monasteries or held by shamans, have hinted that some of the Yeti is not just a mythological boogeyman. But science has so far not borne this out. Previous genetic analysis of a couple of hair samples in India and Bhutan suggested Uh, Mitochondrial DNA was a genetic match to a species that resembled polar bears. The findings hinted that previous unknown types of bears, perhaps a hybrid of polar bears and brown bears, could be roaming the Himalayas, says Charlotte uh, Lindquist, an evolutionary biologist at the State University of New York in Buffalo. To find out, they took nine of these Yeti samples. Eight turned out to be bears that are known and... Looking around, let's see what happened to that ninth one. 
That's the strange one. That's the one we still don't know about. And they're still looking to see if that is a new hybrid species of bear. They don't understand what that might be. So it might be a whole new species of bear, something that's mixed with a polar bear, which would explain the large size and perhaps the, the white fur. Um, so it is a mystery that may or may not be solved, but it's still pretty dangerous, right? So um, it might be connected to our first story, might not. But uh, I guess I guess we don't have to worry about the dangerous yeti, at least. Well, not the supernatural yeti. We still have to worry about the massive bears that have been <laughs> roaming up there, as if the hike and the climb wasn't, you know, difficult enough. All right. So now let's get into our second story. Let's talk about UFOs. There's a couple of interesting ones. This one actually is from earlier this year. A mysterious bulging triangle UFO was filmed over Islamabad, Pakistan for two hours in broad daylight. And I have seen the video of this. And uh, this is from the New York Post. Okay, maybe not the most reliable source, but the video is very interesting. So this object was hovering over Islamabad in February earlier this year for 12 minutes. There's a recording of the full 12 minutes people took with their cell phones. It is a black hovering, you know, triangle shaped, I'm trying to describe it, reflective surface object that does not move in the sky. It doesn't move at all. It's stationary for 12 minutes and then boom, it just disappears. Very doesn't make any sounds um, and it just hovers there and in the photos from the video so the, the, the object is pretty high up I mean it's hard to tell from the video and the photos but you know we're talking I would I mean, it's hard to estimate I would say it's probably up like 10,000 feet or so maybe a little maybe 15,000 feet um, it's zoomed in with this cell phone camera and you can see this object which is sort of triangular shaped it it almost looks like a, you know, like the emoji of a penguin, you know, so it's kind of like a, the, the big part of the head and then it comes down into almost like a beak, but it's a little bit rounded, um, doesn't have any sharp edges or anything like that. So this, uh, object was spotted over Islamabad, just hovering there for 12 minutes. And a lot of people got videos of it. A lot of people have uploaded those videos to YouTube and there is still no explanation. Now let's tie that into the this other story, which is also from earlier this year, from May. So there was a Pentagon um, panel, House panel. So top Pentagon officials told a House panel earlier this year in May that there are now close to 400 reports from military personnel of possible UFO encounters, a significant increase from the 144 tracked in a major report released last year by the U.S. intelligence community. A Navy official also said at Tuesday's hearing, this is Tuesday last May, that investigators are, quote, reasonably confident that the floating pyramid-shaped objects captured in one leak widely seen in a military video, those they say were likely drones, right? Now, I don't know if these, uh, this one in Islamabad might be a drone because it is very odd. It's just hovering, like it doesn't move at all, which is very unusual right for the we don't really know of any craft that can do that so that footage 
the military confirmed was authentic, but it also opened up this discussion of UAP, which is Unidentified Aerial Phenomena. And at this committee, um, they said, the intelligence community said this is a potential national security threat and they needed to be treated that way. For too long, the stigma associated with UAPs has gotten in the way of good intelligence analysis. Pilots avoided reporting or were laughed at when they did. Now, the number of UAP reports has, like I said, risen to 400, a significant increase between 20, uh, 2004 and 2021, and they were tracked in this report. According to Scott Bray, the Deputy Director of Naval Intelligence, he told the House panel that the spike was due to a reduction in the stigma associated with stepping forward to report such incidents in the wake of this report from last year. And we've seen an increasing number of unauthorized and unidentified aircraft or objects and military control training areas and training ranges and other designated airspace reports of sightings are frequent and continuous. And he believes that many of the newly disclosed accounts are actually, quote, historic reports that are narrative based from prior incidents that people are only now coming forward, which leads, leads him to believe that there will be fewer new accounts this time around. So they didn't mention extraterrestrial or alien in any of these hearings. Um, but it is interesting that they also, uh, Bray echoed a report that most of the phenomena was likely physical objects and noted, quote, the UAP task force doesn't have any wreckage that, quote, isn't inconsistent with being of terrestrial origin. So he also goes on to say, I can't point to something that was definitely not man-made, but I can point to a number of examples which remain unsolved. Citing the 2004 incident in which a Navy pilot recorded an unusual tic-tac-like object over the water flying uh, both in the air and then in the water as if it was nothing. Uh, that is also a very interesting story that would make you wonder, what are these things? And Pentagon's top intelligence official, Ronald uh, Moultrie, said, we want to know what's out there as much as you want to know what's out there. Hmm. Okay, uh, maybe they can tell us everything they know. It seems like they don't know anything, but I'm going to guess there's probably some information that they're not including. Um, so it is interesting that the Pentagon is taking these reports serious and that these sightings have increased. And he said, Bray said that the Navy and Air Force crews now have a step-by-step -step procedure for reporting on a UAP in their kneeboard in the cockpit of their planes. I find that fascinating. That means there must be so many of these incidents that they have to, you know, have to keep the report log with them in the cockpit so that it's handy. Um, so it must be something that happens common enough to where uh, it's just become standard procedure and somewhere where they can, you know, record these things uh, very quickly. Um, so there's footage also from 2019 at this hearing that was... Uh, shown off the coast of California, off the deck of the destroyer USS Russell that showed several pyramid-shaped objects hovering above the ship. Bray acknowledged that investigators did not initially have an explanation for what was seen in the green night scope video until they were able to contrast it with a more recent incident that occurred off the coast of the Atlantic Ocean. Um, officials who looked into that video found a similar pyramid shape. They concluded the phenomena was likely from drones that had been seen on sensors from another Navy asset. Okay, so they have debunked some of these casings. The triangular appearance 
is a result of light passing through the night vision goggles and then re being recorded on the camera. Um, and then it goes on. So those are some of the ones that have been debunked, but a lot of them have not. And uh, the Tic Tac video is also a very interesting one reported by many fighter pilots. And some of those pilots are from Top Gun. These are the, the, the best fighter pilots of the United States and some of the best in the world. Again, very interesting um, to see those images on the radar locks that they have and to hear their accounts. Uh, UFO story is always a good one, right? Uh, it's, 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 it's fascinating. And like any good creepy mystery, you don't have all the facts. And I, I like that about these things is, and it, the, you know, the Pentagon hearings are, are really interesting, right? Like that's now changing, it sort of changes the game, right? There's a little bit more, um, credence to these stories that that is fascinating so let me know what you think you know tweet at me email me let me know what what do you think so far what do you think of the abominable snowman the serial killer at everest or or uaps or ufos do you have any any uh, do you want to believe as uh, Mulder would say do you want to believe all right now this last one is kind of hilarious to me and uh, we'll take this article here from The Hill that says, American Airlines flight interrupted by sounds of moaning, groaning on PA system. This has happened on multiple flights. And American Airlines says it's a mechanical issue. So what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to play the sound for you from people recording it on their phones. And you tell me if this sounds like a mechanical issue. So this other article from Gizmodo mentions that this flight from LAX to DFW did not go as planned. Um, someone who was on the flight, an actor from Los Angeles, Emerson Collins, remembers the noise started before the plane even took off. Strange grumblings, a weird sound like somebody was on the verge of throwing up. They were coming from the plane's loudspeaker. Flight attendants assured passengers it was all a technical mix-up. It was presumed that once the flight got underway, the noises would cease. Instead, they continued for hours. Can you imagine hearing that for hours on a flight? Coming out of, a, they said it was projected over the intercom, apparently coming from nowhere. These sounds started over the intercom, quote, before takeoff and continued throughout the flight. They couldn't stop it. And after landing, still had no idea what it was. Uh, he said in a tweet, which racked up 5,000 retweets and 30,000 likes. In an interview, Collins characterized noises as a cross of, quote, explosive diarrhea, vomiting, and weird, vaguely sexual moan. Now, yeah, those are some really weird sounds. To me, it sounds like it's a human, right? Like, it sounds like definitely a human voice, but where's the sound coming from? Uh, online listeners have speculated that maybe the plane's speaker system might have been hacked or someone on the flight might have been pranking the other passengers. But even then, the article says, walk yourself through it. How would something like that happen? Collins told Gizmodo that during the flight, he tried to get to the bottom of things himself. He even got up and poked around to investigate whether another passenger had somehow managed to hijack the plane's speaker system. Quote, I was convinced that someone on our flight was having a great time. He said, explained that he had been fully walking the aisles like Nancy Drew, trying to find the groaner. 
However, he ultimately realized that someone couldn't be making these sounds audibly or people around them would notice. He was stumped, returned to his seat, and was hoping for some explanation after the flight, and the noises just stopped and everyone got off the plane. What's weirder is it appears this isn't the first time this has happened on an American Airlines flight. The Los Angeles Times reports at least two other incidents in which flights were plagued by weird barfing noises. Uh, another website counts a total of five incidents, all of them involving LAX for some reason. When reached for comment by Gizmodo, American Airlines claimed that the groans from the September 6th flight were caused by a mechanical issue, as if that explains anything. They said the PA, public address system, onboard our aircrafts are hardwired and there is no external access. Following an internal report, our maintenance team thoroughly inspected the aircraft and the PA system and determined that the sounds were caused by a mechanical issue with the PA amplifier, which raises the volume of the PA system when the engines are running. Our team is reviewing the additional reports. So, again, weird. Yeah, that doesn't explain like the actual origin of the sounds. It can explain the malfunction with the volume, but it doesn't really explain the origin of the sounds. So uh, Gary Kessler, a cybersecurity expert who has spoken about security and aviation systems previously, said that he didn't have enough information about the incident to speak definitively about it, but he found the airline's claim that the system was hack-proof to be wanting. Quote, I am always suspicious when it says the system is hardwired and can't be breached. That translates to at least part of the system is hardwired and we can't think of a way right now that it can be breached. Everything's hardwired at some point until it's connected to something that's not, he said. Um, and the article ends with, uh, this is a immersive in-flight entertainment experience unlike any other. And we still have no explanation for this. Again, American Airlines is trying to explain this as a technical malfunction, which to me, it doesn't sound like a technical malfunction. Those sounds uh, are, to me, human. It sounds like someone is pranking um, people uh, having fun and how they're doing it, where they're doing it from. Is it from the plane? Is it from the ground? All really interesting questions. I don't have any good answers, but uh, I just think it's kind of hilarious. Now, it would freak me out if I heard that on a flight. It would it'd be super weird, but, um, you know, I, I hope we get an answer to this story, uh, maybe by the next Halloween episode or maybe in an upcoming episode of the podcast i'll update you all i hope you enjoyed this episode i hope you enjoy these halloween episodes um i like to I, they're really fun for me it's really fun to tell you these stories especially the base camp story um, that is one that just has been going around for so long it's just fun to share that i don't really you know it's fun that we don't like have any there aren't like news articles written about it or anything like that and some of this is lore and some of these other stories are just weird things and some of them are in the news. So it's just fun to share that. It's nice to take a detour from time to time and talk about some creepy stories. If you have your own creepy story, maybe some local legend from where you are in the world, please let me know. I'd love to cover it next year. Like I said, I already have a list. We're already working on the research for the next Halloween episode. These are lots and lots of fun. Thanks very much for listening. Uh, and thank you for supporting the podcast. We're off to a great start for season four. Um, and also thank you all for your five-star reviews. They really help us get the word out about the podcast. We've got episodes coming up probably very soon after this. And I hope until then, you have a great rest of your day.